content creators know their audience. The end. Stats and insights don't lie. That's where you can see if it's resonating with your audience. And that's why social media is so interesting. Hello and welcome to Going Viral, the social media podcast. I'm Aideen Fitzmaurice and I am your host. This podcast was created to peer behind the curtain of the social media world and to have open and informative conversations with influencers and industry leaders. Thank you so much for the positive response on the podcast so far. We're still very early days, so every single follow and mention really means the world. Wherever in the world you are, I'm so glad you're listening today. Let's do this. This week will be one of the most interesting conversations of this series. I can tell you that for sure. I'm honoured to be sitting down with Lynn Hunter, founder of Hunter Communications and the Collaborations Agency, the leading talent and influencer management company in Ireland. I'm so excited to chat to Lynn about the business side of influencer marketing, the relationship between PR and social, and marketing trends to look out for in 2023. Welcome, Lynn. It is great to have you in the hot seat. God, what an intro. Thank you for having me. Thank Long you. overdue, may Long I overdue. add. Long overdue. I'm so excited to have you here. This is like a moment that everybody wants in their life, putting their manager in the hot seat and making them sweat a little Bring bit. Bring it on. <laughs> I'm ready for you. So let's start with a quick background. Mm-hmm. Sure. Can you tell New Year's about Hunter Communications and Collab? What are they, how they came about and how they work together? So um, Hunter Communications started, God, nearly... Um, Um, 13 years ago. So my whole background is I was started out as a marketing manager. So I have the full 360. So I worked in the drinks industry. So who I worked for, they were a distribution company and very forward thinking. And my old boss, Barry Connolly of Richmond Marketing was definitely an entrepreneur and really ingrained that into us. I think I always had it in me, especially from my grandparents. So it was sort of always instilled in me. I was always the one in school, like trying to sell apples to people in home economics (laughs) class. I was always a ducker and diver. I moved then to agency side. I worked for uh, Liam Gaskin, uh, who was uh, really uh, a phenomenal boss who really taught me a lot as well. And then just before um, the recession hit in 2009, Um, I decided to go out my own, either sink or swim. So I always knew I was going to have a paddle. I always knew I was a hustler and I always knew I'd make it. So um, I left with three clients and I literally was in my third bedroom, knocking knees with one of my best pals, uh, Michelle Beatty, gas, gas character. The two of us like literally started the business from there. And I, we fake it till you make it. Like I remember pitching to a massive global brand in London and they were like, oh, we'll come to your offices in Dublin. I was like, oh, I'm just getting them painted. Um, so we used to meet in the Westbury and literally I could afford like a sparkling water praying they wouldn't order loads of stuff. Um, but I always remember uh, one of the guys from Dragon's Den saying, always have a good postcode because it looks good on sort of your business cards. So I always remember that. But anyway, thankfully we kind of, moved on in the world um and then um about uh i suppose about eight years ago uh, more actually uh when i worked uh with nivea with Bayerstorf, we were always working with bloggers um and it was very much sort of editorial and visually and they always wrote about beauty brands or whatever fashion so i always remember thinking god there's definitely a business in that i didn't quite know what it was yet and then i was asked to work with a very well-known uh, global uh, sports um irish sports guy who was really making uh waves across the the globe and all over and I was asked to be part of his Irish team so I was the person on the ground here um, and then more people just kept asking me to represent them so I was like hang on a second here I can make this into a business and it was actually uh, when I was on holidays with my dad God rest his soul that I was like I think I'm going to make this into a business and he was like you do you do it love and that's when the collaborations agency was born that I just thought you know what people need management but brands also need to understand how it works and there was that educational piece between brands and content creators that was missing so I wanted to join the dots between the two and really educate people on how it's done Mm -hmm. 
and I suppose really kind of put manners in the industry and sort of have proper structure. So I was always very keen on working with a really great team that we brought fun and joy to people, but also we worked really hard in the background. Like, my God, the girls work so hard and they're just such like there it's just such a good team so that's kind of how it started and obviously that we're growing all the time we're changing uh well there's lots of different things that we do um you know we we produce our own events we produce podcasts we produce <laughs> lots of different things so it's exciting yeah uh, from my perspective as somebody pre-signing to mm-hmm. collab because i am now on the books um i remember it was the company of all of them that I admired the most because I have a background in agency and marketing and I loved that you guys understood the symbiotic relationship between PR, social and brands and it was so I remember just thinking that's so clever that they have both because it's so important to have both because you should have the knowledge of both and if they're not in the same room how can you connect the dots there how can you understand that exactly and that's why it's so important you know it's it's understanding like we're a full service agency so I understand from the brand's perspective what they need what their KPIs are what their key messaging is but I also understand what will resonate with the content creator's audience and it's funny something that has stuck with me and I wanted to do a big post on it and it's just so Content creators know their audience. Mm -hmm. Content creators know their audience. The end. And that is what brands, there's nothing more exciting and brilliant when a brand wants to collaborate with a content creator and get it. Mm -hmm. And that's when you make beautiful content. It's when the brand starts going, oh no, she hasn't said this. Or she, it's like, but you're reading a script it's an ad that's not you know yes it is an ad per se but they know their audience they know what will resonate Mm -hmm. so I'm sure we'll get into that further on but yeah it's 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 changing all the time it's fun it's interesting stressful too stressful too of course (laughs) as we as we both know (laughs) before we go into the stress let's start nice and light um and I'd love to dive into kind of your background Mm -hmm. because that's something I don't even personally know so what was it like growing up for you where did you grow up uh, so I grew up in Sutton, a uh, very idyllic life, beautiful coastal, um, I'm sure people know it. So my house is um, just by the sea, played loads of tennis and golf. I was given a golf club at the age of five, always swinging in the back garden. We're a huge tennis family. My sister would have been number one in Ireland. Right. So we constantly traveled around and very sporty, playing hockey, climbing trees, like very, just a really cool uh, I was very 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 lucky and I feel very privileged to have had the you know the the childhood that I had I'm the youngest of five so if you didn't have a loud voice you didn't get heard you didn't get fed so I suppose I always had you know we were taught to be independent and to have our own voice and mm. that's one thing I'm very grateful to my parents about but um, yeah and I still have the same best friends I've had since I was three years of age so and what were you like in school bold as brass (laughs) (laughs) I think every report card my mother god love her I was oh I was a devil I was always up for the crack always the one Uh, I I was in a class in Finton's National School in Sutton and there was 28 boys and there was 12 girls and I was the youngest in class so I'm the youngest of five and my mother put me in school at the age of three because I think she was just so to get rid of me so I was in four until the November so I was always the youngest because okay. everyone else was always a year ahead of me um but yeah I I had a I had great fun in school mm. I probably wasn't the most academic because I was dyslexic but it was never diagnosed as a child mm-hmm. so I was always uh smart but academically I had challenges but I it never dampened my confidence or anything like that I had a witch of a teacher <laughs> I was only talking about this, um, my good pal Vinnie Bell, I met him the other day and we were laughing about this, that she, it was the days where they used to give you a good box and oh my God, she was a witch, but it never dampened my confidence, that's for sure. Yeah. And where do you think this confidence stemmed from? Like you were just saying there that you knew that you had it in you, that you were capable. And I think a lot of people say this comes with age. So for you to have it yeah. from such a young age is quite unique. I think I was always mad about myself. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I'm not really. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know. I think I always just had this real self-belief that whatever I put my mind to, I could achieve it. And I think you know I've always been a people's person and I was always quite sporty and I loved team sports and I loved sort of I always had a real interest in people and I always had a real um I always went for the underdog I always loved somebody that was sort of the underdog and that was always a challenge to me I suppose it was instilled to us by our grandparents and and, and my parents you know they always gave us that confidence to you can do whatever you want and if you put your mind to it and it's probably stood to me. Yeah. Hopefully. Were you in an all-girls secondary school? Yes. Yes. Which I was I don't in... know why I just assumed that. <laughs> but I... <laughs> yeah. I was like St. Trinian's on the hockey pitch. Um, <laughs> yeah. I Again, I wasn't very academic. I was, I remember a career guidance counsellor coming into us. It was San Sabine and Sutton. I'll never forget this. And she came in and we were kind of segregated into different groups. And there was like the solicitors, the doctors, um, and then there was the middle round and then I was sort of the, the the last bunch. And I remember her saying to us, oh, sure, you guys can just be shopkeepers or you could, with, there's nothing wrong with that. My God. Um, or, you know, you can be secretaries again. Nothing wrong with that. But there was no like you can be a doctor, or you can be a solicitor or you can be whatever you want to be or you can be. It, it doesn't matter as long as you take pride in what you do. Mm-hmm. But it was like they never really Believed pushed us in, in or no, it was always just the top tier classes. Yeah. But I don't think it ever really bothered me. I mm-hmm. think I was very confident and I always had a really good group of friends. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it really ever affected me. Yeah. You know? And then what did you go on to study in college? So um I left um two days after my leaving with two of my best friends. We went to Paris. Alors, j'étais une jeune fille au pair. So I looked after, uh, I worked for a family. I was an au pair for a couple of months and I was supposed to come back and go to college. But um, I saw an ad for uh, Disneyland Paris. We're looking for staff. And I was like, oh, I'm not going home. I'm having too much of a great time. Um, well, you're 17 in Paris. You're not going to go home. Um, so I got a job in Disneyland Paris. I worked in Main Street USA in Disney and Co. And I had a ball. So I ended up staying for a year and I only hung out with French people. So my French, you know, I kind of it ended up I was dreaming in French nearly by the end of it. Wow. So I had a ball and then I did tourism and travel with French um, in college so that's what my background is and then I went on to work for British Airways as an air hostess for five years what so I traveled the world I flew out of Gatwick so I traveled the world with British Airways like living the absolute dream you know staying in these four or five star hotels down route meeting different crew working with and the one good thing I think this is another really interesting point for business I worked with so many different nationalities, religions. So I worked with lots of different races, lots of different people. And it really taught me how to be respectful and be respectful of other people's cultures and wishes and their beliefs. So I think that really stood to me in business because you have to listen to people's wants and needs and you can't just bulldoze in with your thoughts, you know? So I think it was really good grounding for me. And then... um, I came home and I worked for Richmond Marketing. Wow. Yeah. And what what was it that made you go from working with airlines to then moving over to that space? Uh, Well, I'm going to tell you a little story. It was the first time I ever got sacked from a job. (laughs) (laughs) So I left British Airways and um, I wanted to come home and I got a job. I won't I won't name the travel agency because I'm actually really good friends uh, with the son. He's actually turned out to be one of my clients now in Hunter. <laughs> but uh, they took me on and I just didn't gel. I was sitting behind a counter selling holidays and I was telling people, doing what you do, telling them the best places to go, where to eat, what to do. And they kept telling me to, I couldn't do that. And I was like, but I know these places. I've traveled the world with BA. Like I yeah. can give them really cool little t- I was doing what you did without the you know without social media <laughs> without back the then reels. yeah <laughs> and I was just like oh god so I was brought into a room one day and just said I don't think this is for you and I was devastated and then a very good friend of mine her um her brother-in-law uh, owned Richard Markin and she was like you should go talk to Barry and I did and he gave me the job on the spot and 
So thank you, Barry Connolly. The rest is history. <laughs> the rest is history. Do you think part yeah. of your success has been down to having very good managers throughout your career? Um, no. <laughs> no, 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 I don't actually. Because I didn't, in British Airways, it was so big. You didn't have one. I didn't actually get on with my line manager. Mm. Um, I think it was down to my father, to tell you the truth. He always said, be humble and just remember who you are and where you came from and don't have a massive ego. I see it in this line of work all the time. People go from zero to hero and they get these. I've worked with so many people who were so lovely at the start and then this ego creeps in and you're like, oh no, like bring it back. And yeah. that's why you have to try and instill manners an ego and you always know the difference between somebody who has really good grounding and somebody who doesn't I always remember people who say please and thank you mm -hmm. I always remember that yeah so that is something that really people should we're all humans at the end of the day and how you speak to somebody you wouldn't like to be spoken to like that so what gives you the right to speak mm -hmm. to somebody like that we're all human at the end of the day what you advice know? would you have for somebody then who, because this is the thing that happens when you're in social media, all of a sudden there's 100,000 people saying that they love you. Yeah. How do, how would somebody control their ego in that way? Because we're not, our human experience, we haven't been along around with the internet that long. So for something like this to happen, that's totally new compared to generations before us. Yeah, I think that's okay as well. I, I, I also think it is a positive that people, you know, at the end of the day, you're all entrepreneurs and what you've achieved is phenomenal. And there's so much graft and work and that goes on behind be behind the scenes. I see it all the time. So absolutely celebrating your success and rightly so, and you should be really thrilled with yourselves. But also, I think it needs to be, you also need to say please and thank you. Mm -hmm. And I always see the difference between the people that really appreciate it and others that expect it then, you mm -hmm. know? And I think it's getting that fine balance. And that comes down to good management as well. And it comes down to a good team around you and family and yeah. your friends that they're not blowing smoke up your backside all the time. <laughs> you need to bring it down, you yeah. know? You need to, you know just be real and you know there's nothing worse than listening to somebody um me 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 making it all about them yeah. it, you know it's it's kind of a bit boring I find yeah, no definitely. do you no I totally agree snore and it's something that I really look out for in people I just want to know that there's good etiquette or there's good I was at an event recently and I was sitting at a table with lots of different content creators and two of them got up and didn't say goodbye at the end of the event and I was raging about this I was like yeah that is so rude <laughs> but, but but I agree with you and the thing is you remember that the brand remembers that yeah. and other people around them remembers that like if we ever do an event with hunter comms or anything like that there's nothing I always remember the people even from years ago who'd send a little thank you note or an email and like I remember we did an event and um, one of the girls, Shanice and Emer Kelly, they brought flowers to say thank you. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember stuff like that. It's yeah. like just a little, because the work the girls do is unbelievable. And sometimes just say, do you know what? Thank you. Yeah. And you'll go, oh God. And, and it'll make you want to do more for them because you know they appreciate it. Yeah. It's just manners and it's, you're human. You know, we're nice to you just. As you will be. Yeah. yeah. So I, I just think that's really, really, really important. And it doesn't cost anything. And yeah. some people, unfortunately, others just don't. It doesn't come naturally to them. Mm. And that's who they are. Yeah. You know. So to dive in more to PR and social, how much has the landscape changed since you started Hunter? Oh, wow. God, it's totally changed. Like, it's just like a juggernaut. Like, look at TikTok. Like, TikTok just had its moment during lockdown. So when I um, when I started, it was predominantly editorial. So we didn't have the opportunity for social media. Um, yes, we had bloggers, but it was it was more sort of um, you know editorial stuff like that. But now, since Facebook was born, um, then Twitter like Twitter is is a fantastic platform. Even still, is now for news, for food, you know, conversation, good and bad for comedians as well. It's quite for actors. It's quite important. Uh, TikTok is unpolished, fantastic, fast content. 
um, it's like a whole generation of stars has been born through that. Um, and then obviously Instagram is a little bit more aesthetically pleasing and it's prettier. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's really beautiful content. So I think to launch a brand for me, it's so important to get the products out there to people and get people talking about it because you've got the opportunities then for the swipe ups to purchase mm-hmm. and stats and insights don't lie. And that's where you can see if it's resonating with your audience. And that's why social media is so interesting for a brand to use as a market research tool as well. Ask them what the audience, like your audience know what they want from you. So ask them, do you like this? Would you like this? Would you buy this? You know, that is such an amazing tool for brands and content creators. You know, you're really smart, you know, are. You know, there's some brilliant content creators out there who ask their audience questions. What do they want to see next? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at Border Lunch, he's just had, like when we first signed him, he had 40,000 followers. Now he's got a combined of nearly 4 million. And he always asks his audience what they want to see next. What's his next book? What would you like to see? So that's really, you, you can't buy that market research, yeah. you know? I remember when I started out in kind of marketing advertising we were doing a lot of kind of out of home advertising when yeah. I was in the agency and I just kept gravitating towards social because the proof was there the numbers were there and I'm driven by numbers in that way in like in terms yeah. of a marketing plan being able to say at the end well this is the success this is the rate of engagement this is how many people clicked this is how many purchases you got and you won't get that with any other marketing form like you can't really get that directly from radio or tv or whatever so that's kind of why I always gravitated towards social but also it, it, it just what you said it's harder to quantify press conversion you know like a print ad what does that convert into sales whereas with social you can see how many swipe ups clicks throughs Mm -hmm. you can't like that is such interesting data for a brand yeah to dive into public relations a little bit more PR what role does the PR industry play in Ireland right now oh it's hugely important to like the I would always say to brands, and it's funny, I had this conversation with Owen uh, Kluski, you know, from Bread 41, mm-hmm. and he said it to me as well, that he uh, he was advised, spend money on PR because that talkability, sharing, you know, uh, word of mouth is, is key. So, you know, really good, creating really good stories, getting the messages out there. You can have a faster, you know, to actually launch a brand or to launch a certain product, mm-hmm. you, you know, it's nearly instant. Yeah. So, so and it's does, also cheaper as well. What does PR look like? Because I think that was the thing that I had to learn as somebody who wasn't in the industry. I thought it was just, here's a press release. We're going to send it to a journalist, but it's now events, social. It's always been that. Like uh, we, uh, I, we looked after a lot of fashion brands and we were the first agency to do a fashion dinner. My God, eight years ago. And now it's it's like the done thing. So we we were always looking to do something innovative and something really fun and engaging. And also it's a really good opportunity for the brand to meet their audience and to actually build relationships. One thing about me, I love introducing people and I think it's all about relationship building and getting people out there and talking about their brand and understanding. Because I think if you, people can see a personality behind a brand and actually really get what it's about, Look at Amy Connolly, for example. Mm. Like she's front and center, so smart at what what she's doing and how she's doing it. She's getting out and meeting her audience, getting them to try it. Look at the Kardashians, how they're doing it. You know, everything is about representation. They're living and breathing the brand. And that's another thing that Barry Connolly always, always instilled in us. You have to live and breathe the brand. If we're representing a brand, all my guys have to use it. They can't be seen. Say, for example, we're representing a drinks brand. I don't want them out there drinking any other product apart from our mm-hmm. our client's product because we have to live and breathe it. And you have to bring personality to it as well. Yeah. Do you think it's harder for businesses now? Let's say they didn't want to be the face like Amy Connolly is. So let's say you are 
a drinks brand there's not going to be a face to that drinks brand is it harder to make waves no because you're using people to push your brand but it's also about the taste the quality mm-hmm. it's about getting those you know the secret ingredient it's about getting people to sample the product so there's lots of different ways that you can get out there you know you can do activations at festivals um you can do you know dinners you can do like there's lots of different things like, i mean if you look at all the brands uh the drinks brands what they're doing like i mean guinness is now doing lots of events in the pubs they did it years ago they're doing it again and they're involved in the rugby with their zero zero so it's really smart activations where they're actually living and breathing Mm -hmm. and when I went to the um, the Ireland England game at the Six Nations Guinness were so smart they had the zero zero trucks all the way along to the Aviva so people could actually sample mm-hmm. and it was actually you could sample the product free inside like genius yeah so it's actually you're there it's tangible you know you can actually taste it and go wow it does actually taste like real guinness but it's you know yeah. it's no alcohol so that's one of the most common things i get when i chat to clients from via digital or anything mm. like that they always say but i don't want to show my face and i'm trying to push the narrative that yeah. you don't have to like if yeah. if your brand and your product is strong enough to stand on its own yeah then don't focus on the face thing if you don't want to yeah, be the face but you can but that's why people use content creators yeah. bringing it back baby <laughs> <laughs> that's why we're yeah that's why we're in business so you don't have to yeah you can do whatever you're comfortable with if it's not if you're not comfortable being the face or if you're not comfortable you can be really clever and let the product speak for itself but just do really smart create really good content push the brand in different ways you, you, you don't have to if if, if you're not comfortable mm-hmm. with it you know yeah. there's a market for everybody and that's why I like personally I love a startup I love working with startups and I love launching new brands it's really exciting for us um we work within the FMG FMCG space so we work with Tato Snacks across all their different brands we're about to launch a really cool uh relaunch a really cool product uh within them and it's just finding ways to be really clever and have that cut through through the noise Mm -hmm. and that's what excites us as an agency if there was a startup listening today what advice what's been your biggest learning as an entrepreneur that you could share um, have confidence in yourself, have belief and, you know, it's your dream and you believe in this product and talk as if keep that narrative, you know, I can, I will achieve, you know, change your narrative. And as long as you have that self-belief, it's going to be a roller coaster. It's going to be up and down. But if you have that self-belief and know that your product is a really good product, just keep knocking on doors. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Red Bull literally put the product in the back of the car and went out and sampled to lots of different people all around America and made sure they got it in people's hands. Mm -hmm. You can be really clever and just do some really good guerrilla marketing activities with not a huge budget. It's about being creative. And that's why sometimes you can lean on agencies to be really smart and creative with 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 budgets you don't need a ma- sometimes it's it's more fun to work on a, on a brand with a small budget and see mm-hmm. what you can achieve have you ever had any gender bias struggles as a female entrepreneur oh yeah definitely definitely how do you break through the glass ceiling um I had a really interesting one and I was really quite shocked and um I got a call it was when I was working with the uh the global uh sports superstar and he was uh he was he was pretty global and I got a call off a very well-known agent a guy and he rang me and he said um hey he introduced himself or whatever and he was like I tell you what I'll take x and I'll give you y because I would have way more experience and it's more of a male or you know it's more of a male industry and this was only about five years ago I I, I was so dumbfounded. It was the first time in my life I was speechless. Um, so I just was like, no, I'm fine, thanks. But thanks for the call. But I have to say, women are amazing. And we keep going. And, you know, more doors that close in our face, we run through them. I know I do with my team. So definitely it is there. But I think definitely we're breaking th- down barriers for sure. And we can do anything. <laughs> 
Yes, we can. Yeah, no, it's we can. It's Lynn. Yeah. So let's dive into the collaborations agency. How does it actually work inside? Do the staff manage the same creators? Does it vary from project to project? How we work it is our guys have a set number of content creators that they look after. So they would be their point of contact. If I see something, if you get a text from me... <laughs> Whenever I get a call from Lynn, I'm quaking in my boots. <laughs> I've spotted something. Um, so, no, it's always really good guidance. Like, yeah, I always so, appreciate your calls. Yeah, so uh, it, to tell you the truth, I, I am quite protective and the girls are very protective. If I see something, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flag it and say, actually, guys, I maybe don't do that or tweak it a little bit. Like, I always want you to be yourselves. But if I see something that could potentially cause you issues, yeah. I'm here to teach you. Every day's a school day, as Every I always day say. Every day's a school day. So, Lynn's famous quote. <laughs> yeah, but I'm here to guide you yeah. and give you the tools to make that decision yourself. Mm-hmm. However, I'm always on the lookout to protect you especially, you know, with the ASAI or brands or something. Uh, that's my job. That's the, that's what I do. We would also do meetups with our content creators. Uh, we've got one coming up really soon, actually Woo. really fun. Um, so I, I think as long as people, you, you empower people, I think that's really important. Empower people and they feel they're listened to. I think as long as people feel they're listened to and they're heard I think that's our job Mm -hmm. and to also offer then the guidance with listening and hearing Mm -hmm. and also empower them yeah I definitely feel that like as a creator I feel so comfortable like if I ran into any trouble I would just call you Mm. and that's such a valuable relationship to have because being a content creator can be very lonesome at times and before signing with collab I felt like my problems were much bigger than I do now because it was all on me and I had nobody else to bounce ideas off I had nobody else to kind of just give like call and be like I don't know if this is working what do you think so having that has been just one of the best things as a content creator and it's something I'm really really grateful for but that's what it's about. It's it's a relationship. It's it's like going out with somebody. It's it, it's it's like you know we're in a relationship, and there has to be mutual trust and mutual respect on either side. And I think that's when it works beautifully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're not come by eye all the time and happy clappy. But like, there's going to be tough times, and there's going to be sometimes you're going to have to lean in and work through your issues. But I think when you go silent, I think that's one thing that I'll always say to people when they go silent on us and they don't communicate, that's when problems arise. You have to, that's what we always try and encourage people lean in. There's no problem that can't be solved. Mm -hmm. There's always a solution. That's another one of my catchphrases. There's always a solution. As long as you're honest, put your hands up. We're all human at the end of the day. And we can all jump in as a team and offer advice and get it and just go through it yeah you know and one thing I think like for me my relationship with you definitely got better because you if let's say I did something wrong but like just a small mistake (laughs) never happened that often doesn't happen that often but you call (laughs) me and we have such a good conversation that I leave the call and I feel inspired rather than like you would in school when you're being given out. But I'm to. not here to. I'm not here to. I'm not a headmistress. I'm not a. T- yeah. Trust me, I rebelled <laughs> against them. So I'm not a very good person. If you, if you're constantly at me, I zone out and not here. Yeah. I actually would would hide on you. So my job is to empower you, but to show you actually maybe if you tweak this slightly or yeah. think about it. Mm-hmm. I'm always encouraging people to think, uh, think things through. And then the next time you'll know, actually, do you know what? Maybe maybe I shouldn't do that. Yeah, you'll remember next time. <laughs> there you go. Well, or not. Or not. The and then you'll get be. another call. <laughs> <laughs> no, never. <laughs> so I'm surprised some people go, you know, like an alarm. Oh, shit, here she is again. <laughs> yeah. Do you do mostly outreach for talent or do they come to you? So this is a really interesting one. Um, I don't believe in poaching other people's content creators, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that if people want to work with you, they'll come to you. And I think your name should should be... In your line of vision. In your line of vision. And I think your work should stand for itself. Um, I do believe that if people want to sign with you, they'll sign with you. 
you know, others might drop in DMs or they might give the hard sell and good luck to them. There's a market for everybody and mm -hmm. I welcome it. Yeah. I really do. There definitely is a market for everyone, but it's how you do it and it's how you launch yourself in the market, I think is interesting. And, you know, the big words and, you know, all these sort of things and, and good luck to everybody and, you know, more power to them. But I don't poach people. Mm -hmm. It's not something that we do. It's not something we're into. If we hear rumbles that people are thinking about it, I think they'll come to us eventually, yeah. you know. But what if somebody wasn't signed at all? Oh, Would yeah. you outreach? Oh, 100%. I'm always on the lookout. I love to see people who, sometimes you can just see the charisma and you know that they're going to be brilliant. And I'm a really good spotter of talent. Mm -hmm. I would think so. So I always see something in somebody and then we'll reach out. And sometimes it will work and sometimes it will, sometimes they'll sign with other agencies and other agencies are brilliant as well. So, mm -hmm. you know, it works for them. Yeah. So, you know, there's a place for everybody and sometimes you just don't gel. You know, for example, to be very honest, you know, we could sign somebody and if they don't understand the process and understand how it works, they might feel frustrated, but no matter how many times you talk to them and explain to them, you know, I'm not going to wave a magic wand and all these brands are going to come flooding. It takes mm -hmm. works. And sometimes brands, it can take brands six to eight months to really sort of see them on their radar yeah. and to actually believe that they want to work with them. But people think sometimes if they sign with an agency, they're going to get 50 jobs. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. And sometimes other people will get the jobs, but it's my job to, con like I'm constantly b out there banging the drum. I like I go into agencies constantly with new signings, talk about them, explain them, their conversion rate, all that sort of stuff. And it might be brilliant, but they still might be a little bit nervous to work with them, but it will happen eventually. But sometimes you just have it, you, you, that they have that magic. But yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting. And sometimes it just won't work. We're not the right match for that person. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. I came to collab. Mm -hmm. So I was, I went to you guys instead of outreach. Mm -hmm. Um, and I remember like, from my perspective, I was like, closed mouths don't get fed. So I was like, right, this is, this is the point. I think I had in my head that when I reached 50, that was when I was going to outreach, but I guess it's kind of a totally individual experience whenever you feel ready to, to get in contact with somebody. But what criteria would you look for? Let's say when I came knocking, what criteria would you search okay, for? Okay. So that's creator? a really good question. First and foremost, and we spoke about this before we, um, we hit play, <laughs> um, First and foremost, we would always ask people for their stats and insights. So that's the most interesting thing. Where's their top location? What's, you know, male, female? Um, you know, what's their engagement rate like? And it, just because they don't have over 150K doesn't mean they're not interesting because you can see the potential for growth. So that's the most important thing because that's what brands will look for. Are they predominantly Ireland? Um, yes, we do work with international content creators, but if it's predominantly Irish brands, you know, if there's wastage, they're not going to pick that person. They're going to go with somebody who has got more of a predominantly Irish following. Um, so that's really important. And it all depends on the brand's requirements and needs. So that's why it's so important that we join the dots correctly between the brand and the content creator. And like sometimes we will actually say no to a brief because it won't be the right fit for our guys, or we'll ask the brand to send us the brief. We won't agree to anything until our guys have a look at the brief and see if it's the right fit for them as well. So there is a whole process behind it that we will look at their, um, their stats and insights. Yeah. We then discuss it as a team and see if we, because we also have a lot of content creators that we want to ensure that we look after. Yeah. And rather than signing lots of different people all the time, that we really give everyone a good time and effort. So we sort of have a weekly meeting where we decide, will we sign this person? Can we give them the attention that they need? If we feel that we can't, well, then we might park it for a while. And then another agency could come along and snap them up and more power to them. And, you know, it wasn't meant to be. So sometimes it has happened to me and I've kicked myself. But you know what? That's life. Yeah. But I think stats and insights is the first and foremost thing that we look. And if I feel that we can't offer what they need, we will decline. What's the main benefit for a content creator to have 
a talent management? You just answered this question before already with yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What I would say is having a team, we're an extension of your team. As you just rightly said, sometimes it can be a very lonely place. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you do need to bash heads with people. And also... Uh, uh, somebody an agency will have a lot of experience especially our like some of my guys like we've got a combined experience Jesus I sound like a right ale one of nearly over 35 years so that experience and knowledge and contacts like it's it's worth its weight in gold for some people like there's a lot of people that have signed us and they're like my god if we didn't sign with you we wouldn't have got to work with x y and z they're working with global brands But that's not just to, you know, pat ourselves on the back. It's the guys who are creating this brilliant content. But I think that protection, again, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes if I spot something that somebody is doing that I think it could land them in trouble, you've got somebody who's eyes and ears. And again, a really good extension of your team and somebody to protect you, especially for contracts. Contracts, I'm such a contracts. Oh, my God, I... Uh, you always find there's always different things being put in. That's why we we want we always want to use our own contracts. So you can't put in extra things, you know, for uh, rights, exclusivity. All those things are key for content creators because they could be signing away for a long time and not getting paid correctly for it. Yeah. So that's when you have an agent. They will a good agent will comb through that contract for you. Mm. Talk to me about the business of social media in Ireland. Is it booming? Is the only way up or do creators have the challenges The only way ahead? is up, baby. <laughs> um, business is booming. It's a billion dollar business globally and it's only getting started. Like, as I said, you know, I've been doing this a long time and, you know, there's lots of new things coming down the line, like, you know, monetizing YouTube. Like YouTube is massive and it's massive as well for brands to look at that when they're doing their media plans. I always baffles me that brands don't look at YouTube as well. You know, they, I, I would nearly put 40% of my budget nearly into YouTube, to YouTube shorts and mm-hmm. social media for sure. So, um, yeah, it's just a juggernaut that's not going away. Like TikTok, if you look at TikTok, they're at every single global sporting event. They're football, rugby, everywhere. They're at all the different touch points. Like it's not going away. Are Irish brands leveraging influencer marketing as as much as they should be? I think a lot of brands are, but it's still a lot of people are very new to it and don't understand it. And that's that's still exciting for us. We've still got a big job to do, continue to grow, you know? Mm-hmm. And some brands don't do it correctly. Like some, like I see this all the time that brands treat it very much like they're shooting a TV ad. So there's no real personality sometimes. And it's like wallpaper. It's like you you, you will look at their 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 social page and you're like, my God, it's the there's nothing coming through. And it's the same and they're not growing, but they're spending so they're putting so much money behind the ad. But actually their followers, there's no community there. Mm. So it always blows my mind. Yeah. You know, so they should be focusing more on building a community rather than the brand awareness. Absolutely. Look what Jim Plus Coffee have done. Like they've built a community. People want to go to their events. They want to go on the hikes. They want to go to the swim meetups. You know, all of those that's what we always did in Richmond. We always built communities. That's what people want to be a part of. Yeah, you know? I think especially post-COVID, I just feel the yeah. sense of community searching is Definitely. more there than ever before. Completely. Like people want to belong. It's a really lovely way to meet new people. You've made lots of new friends. Yeah. Loads of our content creators have made best friends for life or people that really add value to their life and you're learning. That's what I always, always, always say social media is about use and joy use am I learning something am I taking something away will something resonate with me and then joy does it make me laugh does it make me smile does it make me feel good does it empower me that's what social media is about yeah. and that's when it social media is at its best so people are learning from you and you're making them smile because you're bringing joy to their lives and that's exciting and that's what I want to do that's what I want my legacy to be is bringing use and joy to people are people's perceptions of influencers correct are they 
difficult to work with, money hungry. These can kind of be attitudes that we hear about. In all walks of life, in all jobs, you know, you're not going to be, or maybe you are, you're not going to be a hundred miles an hour all the time. You're going to have your shit days and you're going to have your good days. We're all human at the end of the day, but they work bloody hard and they're creatives and, you know, they're just normal human beings at the end of the day and they're entrepreneurs. This is their business. This is their livelihood. So they're really good at it. So they, you know, they're bringing use and joy to people. I I think they're phenomenal. It's such an interesting space to be in and it's an exciting space to be in. Yeah. So more power to them and they deserve everything they, you know, and more because they bring so much to people's lives and they share their stories and it allows people to be open and honest with their friends and themselves as well. The common trend I see in content creators and influencers when I meet them is the ones who do garner the big following. It's not any particular thing other than grit. They just keep at it. They keep knocking on doors. They keep creating content. And sometimes I think people are like, oh, but you just clicked your fingers and overnight you were a viral sensation. It's not. It's years and years of hard work. And then one piece of content resonates and then that builds that kind of community and that following over time, which is really interesting. But also from my perspective as a content creator it is hard when you I was actually at a festival this weekend and it was just one of those days where, where my, were you I was at Wellfest. oh oh yes yeah. yes yes so I speak Working on stage with Frank and Honest. That, yeah. I was that was great but then when you finish a talk your energy zapped because you're putting everything into being on stage it's at exhausting that moment in sometimes time. yeah and I was meeting people for the first time that I've seen online for a long time and I could just tell I wasn't my, in my best spirits I, my energy levels weren't where they typically are and then I was in my head I was like oh my god they're gonna think I'm different to what I am online I think people you know don't expect you to be on all the time yeah. it, it is tiring especially after doing because you would have done your research you would have you know really sort of thought about that so you would have already put about eight hours work into that and yeah. then to go on stage and to be thinking about the next because you were interviewing yeah. and thinking about the next question and then you had to do social media for the client and you know there's a lot of different moving moving components so I think sometimes that's when you have to go and you're again it's only natural for you to think like that but I think sometimes we need to step back and go do you know what that's okay You're, you're you're showing your true self that you you know can't be on performing all the time so yeah in all walks of life that happens yeah I think those kind of inner belief systems come from hearing it yeah. around you though so it's like yeah. well I met her in person and she's not as nice as she appears to but, be online but another <laughs> point put your blinkers on and do your bits yeah. don't worry what other people think of you it's yeah. none of your business yeah focus true. and have that self-belief mm-hmm. and give me a call and I'll give you a pep talk <laughs> every day I'll be calling Lynn at 8 a.m every morning <laughs> I, maybe I should do like a little hotline or a little app or something yeah yeah oh you'd never be off the phone yeah. I can tell you that what misconceptions do we have about the influencer industry so the business side of it that uh, people, you know, are in it for the wrong reasons, uh, that there's not hard work and determination behind it, um, that, you know, it's just an add on for uh, brands. Absolutely not. Nowadays, it's probably 60 to 70 percent of a brand's budget. Now, that might be broken down through audio, such as podcasts or whatever, but it's such a huge part of brands um marketing strategy Mm -hmm. that you know it's again it brings it back to the stats and insights that people can really see the bang for their book and you can really put KPIs beside it. I think for me it's that an ad isn't just the influencer there is the collaborations agency is involved in the like the conversation between the PR company and then there's the brand above that so I hear my friends being like well they posted something and I wasn't sure if it was an ad and I'm like well you'll know if it's an ad because it will be tagged if they don't tag it you're going to be ringing me Lynn like I will have a phone call there's the tool it's the pay partnership tool and you know there's all these different um you know the ASAI they have all these guidelines and Mm -hmm. rightly so you know we all have to adhere to it so you know if it's not done properly it's and and you know sometimes something might slip through now and again it doesn't happen once in a blue moon but you know it's a it's a it's a serious serious business with a serious serious teams behind it there's so many moving parts 
that it's no it's no easy feat. Like a campaign could, you could potentially start talking to a brand six months and nothing might come to fruition for four months. And then by the time the content is created and all the different, you know, it can be a slow process sometimes. And, you know, there could be rounds of feedback, it could be amendments or reshoots or whatever. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes. Definitely. Trust me, I have the gray hairs to prove it. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> and one thing you might not see is if you've never posted an ad before Instagram and TikTok are incredibly smart as applications so they pick up on the language of your caption and they will say to you before you click publish is this an ad you need to label it paid partnership and that's another thing that I definitely want people to be educated on is that not only is it the creator their talent manager the PR the brand the apps are also making sure that ads are tagged as well like TikTok at the moment it's it's a minefield it really is like you it, it, like they're watching everything and Instagram is watching everything Meta are so smart mm-hmm. and they know you know what's going on so there's they've got lots of things in place and also you've got agencies such as yourselves who you know don't want to be called out by the ASAI so there's lots of different moving parts there are indeed yeah should influencers be threatened by de-influencing the buzzword on TikTok right um, now no because I think I think de-influencing has always been around it goes back to will it resonate with your audience will your community buy into it like there's lots of case studies where something doesn't look right on somebody's page and mm-hmm. consumers aren't stupid they can sniff that out a mile away and you'll actually get backlash for it if it doesn't look right or doesn't feel right and it doesn't resonate with your audience don't do it and that's why a briefing process is so important from a brand to be able to provide that brief to the content creator that they will review before 100% agreeing to the campaign and that's something that we always 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 try and get the brands and agencies to understand just because we have a brief until they give the final green light the content creator then we've got the campaign. Do a lot of your creators turn down Brand collaborations. Absolutely. I'd say sometimes it could be 50-50. If it doesn't, and and there you can always tell the really smart ones that have longevity will always ask for it. And, you know, yesterday, three of our guys turned down campaigns, which I thought potentially could be really smart campaigns for them, but it just didn't feel right for them. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. And, and that's why we have to, I, we're, we're not pushy like that. You know, if it doesn't sit right with somebody, then we have to accept that and move on. And, and we never would either. It has to really resonate with the person yeah. because otherwise they're not going to do a good job for the brand or themselves. It's just going to stick out like a sore thumb. We had a round of feedback this morning and it, the person who was an expert in their field and they were like, oh, can they say, and it was too brandy and it would be too obvious to their community. Oh, I'm not engaging with it. It's too, mm-hmm. and then you have to go here and do this where it doesn't seem natural fit to them. Yeah. So we have to go back to the brand and go, look, totally hear you. However, that's not going to, that's gonna, not going to sound right. They're going to sound like a robot. They're going to sound like they're just reading out from a piece of paper. Like the whole reason you want to work with that person is because of their personality. And obviously you liked their content. So actually have faith in them and believe why you're working with them. Mm-hmm. And again, going back to my point, a content creator knows their audience the end. In that scenario, do you think the responsibility is somewhat on the creator to say, to push back and say, I need this to be in my tone of voice or would collab kind of jump in we there? We would, uh, uh, again, going back to our experience with the girls, they will know when they see, you know, we'll be given a brief, the guys will go and do it. Now, obviously they're not freestyling on the brief, you know, they will, you know, have, have their points, you know, their key points mm-hmm. within reason. Yeah. And when we sent it to the client, you know, sometimes you could get like nearly, it's like a thesis and you're like, hang on, you know, there's nearly 12 points and you're like, guys, I understand. However, if it's stories, they're, they're talking in their natural tone of voice. So their tone of voice is really important, but we can put those additional points perhaps into the body of the copy or potentially text over. But if it's, too busy it gets lost in translation and it's missing like you've got seven seconds or less three seconds sometime to capture your community's attention and if you're like reading off like an ad people are going to disengage it's like 
what are the key points? How do I get that message out in a fun way that people go, God, that's why I always say to brands, keep it simple. Don't overcomplicate it. You know, we're not, we're, it's P or it's not E or we're not saving lives here. But I think sometimes if it's overcomplicated, it gets lost in translation. If a brand were to come with you and wanted to work with Hunter, what would be a red flag for you? We work with in an extremely strict brief. So there's, there shouldn't be any red flags if we have a really good brief. And also believe us, we are professional matchmakers for a brand with their content creators. So my job is to educate that brand so we won't have any red flags, is to educate them on who they should match with and how the brief, what the brief should look like. So in Hunter, we'll be very clear on a brief for a content creator that we want to get their points across, we want their personality to come across. And if there's a red flag, then the content creator won't take the job. So if you are building let's say you are working with a brand, do you pick the content creators that you think that the brand should work with or would they come to you and say- A bit of both to tell you the truth. And again, it goes back to their audience. You know, for example, is would they have a market in Northern Ireland, in the UK and Ireland? Like for example, we're working with an FMCG brand at the moment, a very well-known, traditional, amazing brand. And they have a large audience in the UK. So we would work with somebody who has, who fits both and they would use the product and really sort of show people recipes that will resonate with their audience and they will want to purchase their product to taste it. And also it's creating that brand awareness in the UK that potentially some key customers might never have heard of that brand mm. before or tasted it. So they'll want to trial it. So it creates intrigue and sales. What's more important to brands right now? Is it someone with a huge following? Someone who connects with the brand? or someone who's very easy to work with? I love this question. I think a bit of all three. I am such a big, big, big advocate for working with people that actually use the product, but have a real love for the product. And I would always advise my clients to pepper through a micro-influencer, a nano-influencer, and, you know, a top tier. Be really smart with your budget. And... You know, just because they don't have a big following doesn't mean that they're not going to create intrigue and brand awareness for you. So I would always advise a client to work with a little bit of mix of all three Mm -hmm. because you're going to get that really great reach for the brand. For someone who doesn't know what micro macro influencers are, could you so, give us a quick Yeah, synopsis? so um Nana, you know, somebody really small could be under 5000 or just over 5000 and then um somebody between 10 to 25 and then you've got other people uh, you know upwards mm-hmm. I suppose. But I always like to ensure that we kind of tick the boxes for for everyone so we get a really good reach because you could have somebody down in Munster for example, Mm -hmm. that has that really good engagement. They mightn't have a lot of influences. They might be a really good food content creator, but they mightn't have massive following, but you know they're going to create really beautiful content Mm. that you can, you know, sort of, um, repost on the brand's page or, you know, you can, you can put spend behind it, but it's, it's all about, uh, really good content. Does that person, you know, Will it resonate with their audience? But also, are you creating that national brand awareness? Mm. Sometimes my favorite brand campaigns are from the smaller creators. Yeah. Because they're new and they have these kind of fresh ideas and it's stuff that you maybe haven't seen before. Exactly. Like they're bringing passion and they're bringing something new to the table. That's exciting. Mm. That's really exciting. How much are Ireland's top influencers making per year? Uh, They're doing quite well. They're doing very well. And rightly so. But what they're doing, what we're seeing now is that they're investing their money into creating their own brands, which is really smart. Like we worked with Louise Cooney. We brought out, um, you know, Sprit 67. So, you know, we helped her develop that brand and, you know, from infancy stage to launch. So it's exciting. I love to see it. And I love to see what direction people go in, because sometimes like Louise, for example, you wouldn't know straight off the bat that you would do a spritzer in a can, but it yeah. just makes sense yeah. because it's a lifestyle choice as yeah, well. Definitely. So I think yeah. it works really well. Is it overwhelming having over a hundred creators 
on your books? Um, I think I've got a really good team and because we've got, you know, it's a dual agency and we've got, there's a huge support system there and we've restructured recently, which is very exciting. It's, I'm really excited for the future. So I've, uh, for me, um, as a business owner, especially sometimes I can have a moment to tell you the truth. I can find it all quite overwhelming. And sometimes I take a step back if I be very honest and I'll go for a walk and, you know, or I'll pick up the phone or I'll talk to a friend or I'll play a game of tennis and I can then refocus and sort of go, okay, I can do this and, you know, kind of breathe and go, right, here's what I'm going to do. I do my best thinking, uh, walking. Mm -hmm. And first thing in the morning, I'm an early morning person. So I always do my best thinking then. But that's why we've put a really good structure in place that, again, people can feel heard and listened to. And that goes for my staff as well. I want them to feel heard and listened to. Sometimes I mightn't like the feedback that they give me or there might be an issue and they're like, well, you just look at this. You need to look at this. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, I need to take a step back and see how I react to that mm -hmm. so I think it has to start from the top and filter down but we're always evolving when we're always trying to look for new ways to better ourselves and you know it, it's really interesting um even if people decide to leave us what we have decided to do is ask people I want to hear the feedback as to why yeah and I think that's important for us to know because that's the only way we're ever going to improve as an agency mm -hmm. There are much more talent agencies popping up now. Definitely. Do you welcome this? Absolutely. I think there's a market for everybody. I'm confident in myself and I don't have an ego. I'm secure in myself and I'm secure in our talent and I'm secure, um, secure in my team to know that we're here for the longevity. And I welcome them. And you, I really you have do. your blinkers on. Yeah, I put my blinkers on and do my bits and, and I wish them well. And you know what? They're all really nice people. They're, they're, they're cool. I haven't met everybody yet, but you know, their talent are cool. Yeah. And I think it's only a given when the industry is growing at scale yeah, to what it is absolutely. now that this is yeah. definitely going to but be like, the mean, trajectory. But like, I mean, we have plans. Like we don't, we're like, I mean, we're going global, baby. So, <laughs> you know, we're not just here. So we're coming, you know, for the UK market, which we've already started making plans. So that's really exciting that's for us. Exciting. And we're actually going further afield as well. What other plans do you have for... I have so months. many plans. We're doing comedy tours around the country. Uh, we produced Killian Sunderman and Michael Fry's comedy tour. Uh, we produced uh, Simon's. He's, he's, you know, doing the UK and Ireland. We're producing podcasts. Uh, we're doing lots of different things at the moment. That is really exciting. And uh, we've got something exciting that I'm announcing in the next two weeks. So stay yeah, tuned. Stay tuned. Great. Mm. I'm very excited to see what that is. Yeah. What's trending on social in 2023? Talking to the camera is really important. I think reels are always going to be important. Personality. Irish are great. Like we're actually really good fun. And what do you think would be like the biggest learning for content creators, influencers in 2023? That is bloody hard work. <laughs> I think just be yourself and network, get out and network and meet people, show up and, you know, find like-minded people and collaborate, collaborate with people. I've noticed there's a lot of really lovely, genuine people out there. And I love to see, I'm always really proud of our guys when I see them. Sometimes I stand back in an event and I can see some of our guys who are really happy to be there and genuinely enthusiastic. I love seeing that. I'm always really proud of them. I'm like, oh, they're just really cool people. And I want to get to know them. Yeah. And I always see them kind of navigating the room and I, I just think it's brilliant. You know, it's just because they've manners mm -hmm. going back to that manners cost nothing. It's also funny from my perspective as a content creator, you gravitate toward the people who make similar content to you. Yeah. So I Because you're it, interested and yeah. you're sharing knowledge. And you have Use similar enjoy. interests. Yes. Yeah. But I find it so funny. The first time I met any of you guys, I signed to collab and you were having your five year party last oh, summer. Stop. So Jesus, that was where my I thought first I was Britney time. bitch. Yeah. I, it was so funny. We were only looking back at that. If anyone uh, wants to, you can go onto our Instagram and you see me doing a bad Britney Spears. But it actually got to show that we're actually human yeah. and the girls are great crack, aren't it they? It was a great initiation night for me to yeah. sign with collab. And it was yeah. actually Dev's first time signing as well. Yeah. So it was, that's kind of how our friendship 
yeah, blossomed, blossomed, but being in that room was so interesting. Over frozen. Yeah, over frozen, <laughs> frozen marks. We still do today. <laughs> but in yeah. the room, it was the comedy guys were all chatting. Mm. The beauty girls were all chatting. The house, yeah. the interiors girls. Yeah. And I was like, this is incredible. Yeah. This is like, a ne- and everybody was mixing, of course. But sure, do you remember everyone got up and sang a song? Yeah. So we had, uh, we look after Victoria's Secret and Davina Divine, and they did the event for us. So basically the whole premise is that they drag people up of course I was hogging the mic for a while <laughs> but you know Pamela got up and sang you know she everybody amazing. she was amazing and then we had the amazing band after so it was just fun and that's what we wanted to do is bring people together good drinks good food good location and just fun times and that's when you get people to mix together and get to know each other it's key they're my favorite it? moments is when you're at events and stuff and you get to meet all the other content yeah. creators because you have this shared experience yeah. but also I think I'm curious I'm a really curious person by mm-hmm. nature I love finding out things about people mm-hmm. and you always take something away go god I never knew something you know I never knew that about that person and you know even last week I went on a press event uh, I brought um five content creators to London and by the end of it we were all in a headlock you know mad about each other because we great crack because yeah. we all found common ground and we just had fun and I think sometimes if you take people out of their day-to-day and just get allow them to interact it's all about interacting with people mm-hmm. and again you don't have to be the life and soul you know everybody's different yeah but it's just giving people an opportunity to meet like-minded people and to be heard mm-hmm you know, and, and, and to actually feel that there's somebody, you know, there's people behind those text messages or those emails that actually my team is human as well. And they're kind of cool girls. They've got a lot to bring to the table. They like do. Jess is gas, like her one-liners and Aoife's really into, like they're really fun. There's a bit of devilment about them. Yeah. So they're good crack and they care. That's, that's what I love about my team. They actually care about the content creators and they really care about their jobs. And I feel so privileged and so lucky to work with such a great bunch of people that turn up and show up. And some weeks they might have the worst week ever, but you know what? They still turn up. They don't mm-hmm. call in sick. They show up, they lean in and we solve the issue. Everything, there's always a solution. The girls are great. Thank that you. is they I honestly they are yeah. so so good to work for. Yeah. There might be new brands listening today. If they were listening and they wanted to work with Collab, they mm-hmm. wanted to work with Hunter, yeah. they might have a restricted budget. Sure. Which is more valuable for them to invest their money in in 2023? Is it PR coverage? ads collaborations with influencers it's a bit of both if they don't if their budget doesn't allow for content creators i think there's smart ways to get the product out there press kits uh sampling events there's lots of different things that you can do you can be really smart like look at the smooth company look at onika she is a powerhouse i was on a podcast with her with guaranteed irish of the week she is phenomenal and she didn't have a budget and now her granddad her 82 year old granddad helps her out in the business Mm -hmm. and he's on TikTok and her products everywhere at the moment because she's showing her personality she didn't have any money but she just made sure that she her goal was to get it into Brian Thomas and Arnott's and she achieved it but she's getting her product out there through social media Mm. she's you know you can be really clever and you know, really sort of throw everything at it. And some things will stick, some things won't. And you might change your strategy on the way. But you know what? If you have that self-belief and you know your product is good, get it out there and call me. <laughs> and if somebody did want to call you, how, how would they contact you? Um, if they email Lynn at uh, collabagency.com or Lynn at huntercommunications.ie um, or just look on our websites or go on our socials. I'm very easy to find. Sometimes I might hide, but you'll always find me. <laughs> <laughs> Lynn, it has been a pleasure to chat to you. Thank you so much no, for sitting you. and joining me and giving such honest, candid and informative kind of perspectives on this world because I know so many people have questions on it and I definitely yeah. think you gave some great answers today. Yeah, thank you. If you enjoyed this podcast, please do share it around with your mates. Tell them it's great. <laughs> and I appreciate you guys so much. Thank you for listening and I'll see you for the next one.